morning and welcome to another Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. I'm your host, Michael Cronodal, and we have a treat today. Today's educator is none other than Jeremy Carter, and the topic is Musical Color Wheel. Very excited to hear uh, what Jeremy has to share with us. Uh, just don't forget, um, if you enjoy today's sessions, you can check out more free sessions that's coming up. Just go to our website, www.clearwaterjazz.com slash education. And if you have any feedback, we would love to hear what you would like to suggest, whether it's a topic or just give us a, a little bit of information on what you like about what we're doing. You can email us at info at clearwaterjazz.com. And don't forget, if you have any questions, just go in the chat feature, type out the questions, and we'll try to reserve some time at the end of the day's session to answer any kind of questions. Um, and just the, give a little shout out to our sponsors. Don't forget to check out the studio archive of the past video sessions at clearwaterjazz.com's education and outreach section. And that's brought to you by Blue Water Wealth Management at Stewart Partners and Duke Energy, as well as the Young Lions podcast, wherever you stream. And that's brought to you by our friends over there at Marine Max Clearwater. Just search Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. So Jeremy is no uh, visitor to Clearwater Jazz. We all love his music. We've seen him perform and he's been presenting here as well. Uh, Jeremy is one of the most sought after saxophonists around, such an incredible performer. He's traveled the world uh, recording and sharing the stage with some of the today's top acts uh, with several sold out appearances to his credit. Carter's entertaining and engaging delivery is always a delight to the listeners and Jeremy and the Jeremy Carter rubber band have also been a regular at Clearwater Jazz Holiday Wanderlust Music Series, and we have loved having him be a part of it. So if you haven't seen his past sessions, you know, you should always go back and check out the conversation series that he had with Sam Dillon, or um, how about the one with Terrence Martin? That was an awesome one. Or Mike Tucker, and the list goes on and on. So without any further ado, Jeremy Carter, the stage is all yours. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, how's everybody doing out there? I hope uh, I hope this uh, this message reaches you well. Uh, just to kind of piggyback off uh, what Mike was saying, you know, thanks so much to uh, all of our sponsors and partners out there, Clearwater Jazz Holiday, Steve Weinberger, uh, and uh, everybody over there uh, else at uh, Clearwater Jazz Holiday that uh, that makes these events possible, uh, given the circumstances. Um, these these sessions are more and more valuable. Um, we 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 can't gather and and uh, get together the way that we normally would. So, uh, if you're looking to continue your studies uh, or just looking to pick up uh, an instrument and begin your journey uh, with music, uh, these these sessions are an invaluable resource. Uh, and uh, this this one is uh, this one is no different. Um, the the topic I want to touch on today is uh, it's it's entitled a musical color wheel, um, and some people might be asking what is that exactly? Well, uh, I do a lot of educational stuff, uh, and I spend a lot of time talking to other musicians 
of all ages and abilities. And um, uh, let me just first by uh, kind of outlining what uh, what it is I'm talking about. Um, there seems to be like a, a large gray area in music. There are certain things that um, that are given, like when you go to, to a music school, they'll show you what a major scale is. Right? Made like chords, right? Major chord, minor chord, right? So you have elements like that. You have uh, the, the foundational blocks uh, to, to your music, right? And those type of things aren't hard to find. Uh, there's, there's, there's a multitude of resources uh, that you can tap into to get stuff like that. Um, what I want to talk about today is, is it's called a musical color wheel, but I want to, my, my thought process is um, I want to help kind of get people in the mindset of theoretically or, or uh, you know, uh, thinking about how to tell a story, how to paint a picture. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a theoretical exercise, which I, whenever I'm playing, I like to use, there's five different elements that I always like to incorporate. Uh, and for me, they're, they're just, just the, the, the basis. Anytime I get ready to play, it doesn't matter what the situation is, whether I'm in a big band or whether I'm heading up a concert, I'm playing with the two horns out front. Maybe you have a guitarist with you out front, a uh, small ensemble, it doesn't matter. There's, there's some musical tenets that it would be wise to, uh, to pay attention to or to be mindful of whenever you're um, performing or even when you're practicing, anytime you have an instrument in your hand. The first of these is rhythm. In no particular order. If you're focused, if you're conscious, of what's happening rhythmically that's going to give you a good opportunity to engage and to participate in the music in a way that's tangible to everyone involved right rhythm and then, like i said no particular order melody is is one of the other elements that cannot be can never be excused you know, there's there there's melodic value in silence, right? Then you have harmony, the blending of of individual notes, right? Then you have dynamics. You know, your 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 level of finesse or intensity, drive or passiveness. The dynamic element is very important. That's, that's how you kind of really, really paint your picture, right? And then the fifth uh, uh, tenet that I try to uh, adhere to or concept uh, is your sound, your overall sound. What do you sound like? No matter what instrument, you're, even the five piano players can sit down at this piano, piano and they're all going to sound very different, right? That's, that's their individual sound, it's, which goes beyond... Uh, dynamics, right? So these are things that I, I try to uh, to pay attention to or adhere to at all times when I'm when I'm addressing uh, music. And uh, you know, the more you do this, like the, obviously, the less you have to be conscious uh, of this uh, 
uh, of this method, right? And once again, I know uh, there are some people who are tuning in now um, and others who will be joining later and checking out and watching. Uh, but uh, for those of you who are here now, if you have any questions, uh, please don't hesitate to, uh, to ask. Um, uh, and I can, I can try to clarify or, uh, uh, you know, spend a little bit more time on, on any one of these individual topics, uh, that, uh, that's, that's necessary. So I talked about my five tenets, like my five things that I, I always like to, uh, to think about or to, to implement when I'm, when I'm playing, um, so to get to the to, to the musical color wheel and this sort of uh, this gray area that I was talking about, you know, scales, chords, harmonic structures, these are just tools, right? Um, this, this is more of like a metaphorical exercise, right? Um, when I talk to musicians, um, like I said, of all abilities, you know, I, I, I get asked a lot, like, what am I thinking about? How do I conceptualize? You know, how do you get started? What do you, what, what were you thinking right there? That was super hip. Um, well, they're not always saying that was super hip. But, you know, if, if somebody asked me about something in particular that they heard me doing um, and I try to dissect it, sometimes I have a difficult uh, a difficult time doing so because in the moment I'm not actually thinking about, oh, this is going to be a flat nine, flat 13. And then, you know, it'll be really tricky after that. I'll resolve it this way. It's not really how the process works. And so the musical color wheel theory or uh, philosophy, uh, as you will, like something that I just conceptualize when I'm playing. Right. And sort of what that is in, 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 uh, in a, in a, you know, uh, broken down or very simple form. Um, it, it, it's almost exactly what it sounds like a musical color wheel, like individual notes, individual sounds, individual, uh, segmented phrases. They will elicit a certain feeling, um, or a color. Right. And so if you're, if you're painting, I don't know if like, this is a, like I said, this is just a concept, right? If you have, you know, a particular sound that represents a color to you, you know, and then you have another sound, like let's, let's say G major, a two chord uh, uh, G major voicing. That could be yellow, you know? G flat could be like a slightly darker color of, uh, of, uh, of yellow, All right? And so th this is just like this, this is just conceptual, right? So uh, uh, there may be a lot of questions after, after this session or during this session or not, but I like to think about painting a picture. This, this is a metaphor for telling stories. Like when you, when you start your solo, right? Think about the five tenets, rhythm, melody, harmony, dynamics, and sound, right? Try to somehow apply that to 
you know, harmonic structures, melodic structures. Yeah. Right? You can take little little bits and uh, little pieces, segments of phrases to create a feel or a particular color. And then you have to add these other elements. I know like in, in my previous sessions, I always like to, uh, I always like to comp compare uh, making music to cooking uh, for a good reason. I love to cook and eat. So um, when you're making a dish, you have different ingredients, right? You have the salt, you have the pepper, you have water, you have your meat. If you're a vegetarian, you got your eggplant, you got your portobello mushrooms, right? And these things just left on, you know, on their own, they're not going to be very delicious. You have to treat them. You have to cure them. And the curing and the treatment process with music is what happens when you're in a practice room. You have to find out what amounts of each element is necessary to create create a, a, a tasty dish. What color, uh, what musical color is necessary to create a beautiful piece of music in conjunction with, with melody, the, the harmonic value, like how your melody interplays with the, with the stated um, uh, 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 harmonic value within the piece at the time. How intense are you? How reserved are you? How much of a dynamic swell do you allow to occur? How long of the curve, how long is the curve of the dynamic swell? Does, is it like a peak? Is it a sharp peak and come back down? Is it a broad sweeping curve? It's like, do you just build the intensity, build the intensity, build the intensity, right? And then you start sloping off the cliff like that, right? That's, that, that's your dynamics, right? Which also plays a huge part, uh, just as much so as uh, what notes you play, how many notes you play, how you structure these notes, right? Like, I'll, for example, I'll play one note, right? Nothing wrong there. It's just a note. Surround this one note with two other notes. Whoa. That has a value. That has a value, right? Take one of the most simple, uh, 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 simple forms in music. Just, just, just take the blues. Take the. space in between each note, the harmony that you, like the voicing that you decide to use, it's all very telling. Like if you take, um, uh, I'll get back to the blues form in a second there, but I just, I kind of just thought of something, right? When you, when you're talking about structuring chords, say I was just working in, uh, in, uh, uh E flat there. Um, when you get to the four and you want to and you want to drop that A flat seven, right? If you just if you just play an A flat major, totally works. Not quite as well without the seven, right? That just has a certain tone to it, right? And so the the color wheel concept 
um, it, it, it covers like, you know, how you voice your chords, you know, and how often you voice your chords in a particular way. You know, this, this exercise is to kind of get people out of um, such a regimented approach to, um, uh, to, to creating music. Um, because like I said, I, t I talk to musicians uh, of all abilities and all instruments. And, you know, a lot of people sometimes struggle, uh, not just musicians, a lot of artists struggle with the creative process and what this, to me, what this color wheel concept does for me is allow me to paint a slightly different picture. It just allows me to conceptualize uh, the music in a different way that is not so based on just notes and scales and modes and harmonic extensions, which are all very important. And uh, I guess I should say that you have to spend time uh, in that space to understand how to use these things. These colors won't be as vibrant or as vivid uh, without that groundwork being laid of uh, understanding, well, you know, what, um, what, a, what a sharp 11 chord sounds like, what a flat 13 sounds like, you know? You have to, uh, you really have to understand like what, or be able to identify with them, I guess is what I should say uh, more specifically. You have to be able to identify these sounds, sounds in this particular concept being colors, right? If you're not so, um, um, burdened by uh, the complexity of harmonic structure sometimes, you know, like uh, Charlie Parker once said, you learn all this stuff, you know, learn, 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 you practice, practice, and then forget about it and just play. This is a really effective way to like make use. Uh, and like I said, I'm talking to musicians of all levels and all abilities. If you're just starting out, you obviously need to do some work and to identify with these chordal structures and sounds and voicings in order to make use of them and in order to free yourself up enough to be thinking about, uh, uh, you know, concepts like this, right? You know, anybody can just wing it, but it, it really should be based in something, right? You have to be, if it's, if it's, a, if it's a symmetrical idea, like if it's a diminished thing, you have to be able to like, sort of unconsciously not really think about the structure of that sound and just identify with that sound. Like think about what is the music supposed to sound like? What should it sound like? Like just picture in your head, what should the music sound like? And then try to do that, like create those colors, implement sounds, implement ingredients, implement notes, implement melodic figures that will help you achieve that sound. Right? I'm not really thinking half whole there, right? I'm just thinking about that sound. And then beyond that, right? That's just knowing like what the, you know, I'm not, I wasn't really thinking about the structure of that, that chord. You know, that shape, that color is just really, really familiar to me, right? 
And so maybe a piece needs that. Um, there's a thing, there's a, there's a popular song out uh, that uh, I've had a hard time uh, getting away from here recently. Uh, uh, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack in a song called Leave the Door Open, right? And, and it's a perfect example uh, in my mind of, uh, of guys using uh, like these just really, really lush chords and, and colors to create a vibe. I mean, they're not really all that lush. They're like kind of more or less basic, right? Um, what, what did they do? Like, I, I was just thinking about, there's a place where they, it's not really a diminished, but it sounds like a diminished flat nine, flat 13. They do something like... Uh, This A flat nine flat thirteen, right? But you could do like a diminished thing too, right? Right? And like a G sus, right? To C, and then to the A. You can, you can just there's there's so many examples out there of, um, of of people using like really really traditional uh, like out of when I heard that song it just kind of blew me away, you know they were doing so many things like they were using sounds they were using ingredients that just seemed to be more at home in like a like a jazz setting or like, I don't know, maybe like a 90s R&B type of setting or something like that. It was just so refreshing. Like there's so much music out there now that uh, that lends or that leans on uh, electronic music, electronic instruments. It just kind of, it kind of seems like it's like absent of any type of real color, any real feeling or meaning. It's just like they were more interested with like Instagram likes than actually trying to make music. Like it's, there's, there's just something really special about um, people like tapping into like true artistic expression. I guess I'm like, uh, I, I hope I'm uh, communicating this idea well. Um, but, the, you know, the thing, there's so many different examples I could use. Like you're, like if you think about the movie Ratatouille, I don't know if if, if anybody's out there seen it, right? If you haven't, definitely check it out. It's one of my favorite animated movies. But there's a few scenes in the movie uh, for those of you that have where uh, Remy, um, the Rat Chef, I won't give it away for those of you who haven't seen it. But there's there's a scene in the movie where they're um, they're trying to explain. He's trying to explain to his brother what it is he's experiencing you know there's something inside you that you know whether you know whether you're attracted to music and then more specifically say you know from my uh from my perspective or more from my position i'm a saxophone player so i mean there's just a certain way a certain tingly feeling that you know i get when i'm dropping my reeds in the water and i open the case and the instrument just the smell of it and the look and the keys i mean it looks just as beautiful to me uh, as it did the, the, the first day. But anyway, Remy is in this movie and he's trying to uh, explain to his brother like what it is about cooking that is so special to him, right? He has like 
you have the strawberry, right? He takes a bite of the strawberry and they're, they're, uh, they're illustrating this, this idea of what, you know, the strawberry has pop, right? And then he takes like a piece of cheese, right? You wouldn't necessarily think about cheese and strawberries, but as an artiste, as someone who has a, a very acute and, uh, and nuanced sense of taste or color, if you will, in this instance, you combine the cheese with strawberry and then you put them together and bop, you have something, you know. So I mentioned that to say that there's some things within music. Maybe it was a song that you heard when you were a kid that, you know, your mom used to play when you were in the shower or you were uh, getting ready to go to bed or when, when she was cooking or when, when you had family gatherings around the house. I know for me specifically, there was there was certain music that, that I heard, and regardless of what was going on, if I heard that, it just gave me it gave me such a sense of uh, comfort and contentment. You know, like I, I just knew everything was okay. You put so you you know, some of this for me was James Brown, Stevie Wonder. Bobby Blue Bland, Tyrone Davis, you know, th this is the kind of the stuff that I, I, I grew up listening to. And there are certain sounds like that James Brown beat. Whenever I hear that, there's just certain like, there's a certain like cadence in that that just makes me feel a certain way. And to bring it back around, conceptually, that sound has a color. It has a, it has a musical value. Like, it, like, so it's it's sort of it's it's very abstract right for everybody is different you know but that 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 sound has a color it's represented or it's connected to a particular a particular uh emotion or expression and yeah all i would suggest is like digging in dig into that a little bit more if like don't rely on harmony and scales and individual notes the technical aspects of the music all very important all very necessary this uh, uh these suggestions or these theories that i'm floating now are more for people to get connected to um you know a, a more artistic brilliance which i think is inside all of us you know what I mean? Like you, there's nothing that, uh, I remember I did this, um, I did a, uh, I attended a clinic with Chick Corea and, uh, and Robert Glasper. And uh, one of the things that stuck with me from that session was uh, Chick was, uh, you know, everybody, like there was a panel, there's, I don't know, maybe 12 or 15 of us that uh, got to attend this thing. He was doing a, they were doing a taping. And, uh, you know, we were asking questions and somebody asked about, you know, this, this sort of this, this very thing. There's all these educated, you got NEC, you got Berkeley, you have all these fine institutions of musical learning, right? Uh, but Chick was saying that, uh, you know, to some degree, they, they can only do so much. Uh, this musical color wheel concept was sort of born out of some of these experiences um, that I, I got to uh, experience, you know, that I got to have with some of my heroes, Chick Corea being one of them, uh, 
you know, I got to, got a chance to talk to with, you know, a lot of the guys that I admire, you know, spending time up in New York, there's, it's kind of sounded like to me, they were saying the same thing. So Chick was saying that music schools can only take you so far, right? Or they can only do so much. There's something else that, uh, that is sort of missing. There are holes, there's gaps, there's areas of void that as an artist, you can only create the pieces that are necessary to fill that void, right? Whatever, whatever it was that brought you to music, that tingly feeling you got, or that feeling of happiness you heard when, when that Carpenter song came on, or, you know, there's just so many, so much music out there, such a rich tapestry of, of resources. Uh, there's a little something, uh, there's a little something in there for everybody. Whether, you know, whether that's Rod Stewart or Barry Manilow, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many things out there and you will have these, these reactions, these natural associations to these things, whether it be an experience in your life, uh, just a summer where you took a road trip or where you were, were on vacation, the birth of your kid, or, you know, just there's all these things, you know, your favorite food your favorite leisure activity, all these things will lead you. They like, they'll, they'll allow you to tap into something else. And if you're sort of conscious of all these things and you try to make sense of them, you know what I mean? Like you, you don't want to, you don't want to tell a story, you know, like think of yourself as like, like when you're playing or when you're soloing, when you develop an idea, like, first of all, you want to solo like you're composing. Because uh, you are, you're, you're composing on the fly. But um, beyond that, to, to really tap into what it is that inspires you and that, uh, that touches you. And sometimes we don't even directly know. We may not, there may be some things that we're, we're tapping into that we're maybe not, we're unaware of, you know. But if you try to stay focused and you remain diligent, you know, if you're deliberate about like trying to see what it is, even if it's unknown, just go with it, you know, and try to make, make sense of it. Try to tell that story, try to develop an idea within that. And you, 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 I don't know, I, at least I hope that if you're, if you're successful at like trying to implement uh, this theoretical approach, I think that you'll find like, at least for me, it's like much, much more uh, satisfying when I tap into things that I'm not really even sure of um, at the time, you know? And, and I also feel like I'm able to do much, much more with less, you know? Like I'll, I'll take an idea, I'll take a figure and just really try to extract everything I can from it before moving on which presents some challenges in and of itself. You don't want to sound repetitive. You don't want to like, you know, you, certain things people can go numb to, or, you know, see if, if you're not creative enough and mutating the idea, it may not have the same impact, right? So to create something that is full of suspense, full of wonder, full of whimsy, full of you know fun and laughter or maybe sadness that is heartfelt that's authentic that's organic 
that doesn't sound like an exercise is really difficult. And so these are some of the things that I would suggest uh, for players is all of all levels and abilities to, to try to focus in more on uh, instead of so much the technical aspects, because I think that, uh, it, you know, not only will it like lead you in some places that you maybe never thought possible, um, but, you know, I think maybe you'll tapping some, uh, tap into something uh, that you may be completely unaware of being there. You know, there's, uh, uh, I mean, if you think about, if you think about your, like your senses are a lot stronger than, than you think, right? Um, if you think about a storytelling art, right? If you're implementing all the musical uh, elements that we talked about, rhythm, melody, harmony, dynamics, sound, and then uh, a musical tapestry, a musical color wheel, if you will, right? And you, you implement that within the storytelling art. You know, when you start playing right away, no matter what you do, that's your introduction, right? And that can be done with as, with as much or as little information or data as you feel fit, you know? Like if you're, if you're just if you're starting off, space is an element. Like you can, like, there's a lot to be said about space, right? If you just like all you right, just start. Like once you're going, like I don't even know what I, I just picked a note and started to build something that had rhythmic value. There was some harmonic value. I was like, I don't, I, I don't know what song I was trying to, to to play over, but there's obviously some rhythmic value. There's some harmonic value. There's dynamics in there, and your sound, your touch, the way that you you strike the notes, right? That's going to give you, you know, your actual sound, even if you're on a piano, and the the variance of the sound is 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 much closer than if you're playing like a saxophone or a trumpet or something, a wind instrument where you can like bend notes or a guitar where you can actually bend notes. The same principle applies here to the piano, right? Just no matter what you're doing, right? Right? That's a color, right? You can take, uh, you can take a G flat, you can take a G flat seven, right? Right? What about a flat five? One note, one little, I mean, like you're, the, the, you're, 
your uh, use of space, your use of time, your use of like like a lot of people when they think of rhythm, they just think about like uh, like the beat. Like you have like a a lot of people have like a really uh, narrow view of of rhythm, you know. But it, I mean that could be your one prominent and overriding element that you choose to focus on within your time, right? You can start right off and just say like, hey, my focus is going to be rhythm. You know, you might be doing some really, really cool stuff harmonically, but the focus of what you're doing is really on rhythm. And right, so your, your tempo, your pace, right? So say, I mean, let's say you're doing like a like a, a modal tune right like your rhythm it could also be represented by your pace right you can play like So your, your, your rhythm is like, it's not just the, the percussion. It's not just what you establish. It's like your, your cadence, your, your pace, your tempo, like how, you know, um, how are you rushed? Are you, are you like creating like a sense of delay? Like, what is it that you're trying to convey uh, to the listener? All these things are really important. Um, and they're all elements that will, you know, hopefully allow you to, um, you know, maybe think outside the box a little bit, like, and, and be a little bit more free and what you're doing. And you'll be able to kind of maybe tap into things that, like I said, you, you were not all that consciously aware were there or possible, or, you know, sometimes it, we'll get in our own way. You know what I mean? Like we'll allow or, or we'll pr prevent ourselves from doing something for no good reason. You know, I, I don't know why I didn't do that. Or I, I mean, like I try to be as open and as adventurous as possible in the moment without, you know, without losing sight or losing um, context or uh, contact with with the potential listener. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not just gonna go up and do something that's like completely self-serving, but I will allow the freedom necessary to extract, extract everything that's possible uh, from the exercise. So yeah, I, um, Michael, I don't know, are there any questions out there? Anybody tapping in? Yeah, here's a question here. Um, yeah. So you was talking about being a free player and thinking out the box. So yes. how do you operate as that type of player that has more freedom in your playing and your improvisation when mm -hmm. you're playing with more, say, technical players? What if the rhythm section, if they're full of just all technical players, but you are more the free one? Now, are do you uh, influence them to go your way or do you feel like you're kind of stuck in the box <laughs> when you're in that type of situation? No, that's that's an excellent question. That that's a really really good question. Now, um, uh, that that is contextual. This, this is contextually based, right? If you're a free player, 
it's almost like uh, the best way I can put it is like uh, if you're going to a formal ball, you know, you also have to put on a tuxedo in a in a bow tie, right? Your bow tie may have polka dots. Your socks may have stripes, but you still have a bow tie on. I, I don't know if that, uh, you know what I mean? So if you're in a situation, you know what I mean? If you're in a situation where there's like a bunch of um, technical players, obviously, you're going to do uh, what is necessary to um, not upset the ensemble and, and and make sure that there's a community, uh, uh, you know, a feeling and an essence of community and like a, a group speak or group thought, a collective, a fellowship. And so your ability to be free uh, should only be implemented when appropriate. Like it's not a good time to just roll out of bed and be free. Like if, if you know what I mean? Like we all have jobs, we all have commitments in life and there's a certain structure that we have to adhere to. But there are also other areas where, yeah, yeah, nobody's telling you what you want to go eat for lunch. Nobody specific to, specifically tells you what color socks uh, to put on or which direction, what path you should take to work. You just know you have to get to work, right? They're not telling you what, uh, take this street, take this street. So th there are some areas where you, your, your uh, artistic freedom uh, you're able to tap into that element of like storytelling and, uh, and, and being uh, uh, artistically free. There'll be uh, less of that, but it, even you'll, you'll find that uh, even within classical music, a lot of classical players, these, uh, these um, famous and uh, their iconic, uh, you know, pieces of music uh, that they look to, to test uh, young musicians on their proficiency each individual in, uh, instrumentalist, they will interpret that, that music a little bit different. Even though all the dynamic markings and everything is right there on the page, there is a little bit of uh, freedom there that uh, is given uh, to the artist to interpret the music as they see fit. So uh, to, to answer your question um, about uh, fitting in with players who are more... Um, rooted in a, a more technical approach uh i i would say that uh, you should you know do whatever is possible and necessary uh to meet that demand in order to you know you have to set the table before you can eat you know what i'm saying like once you set that table right if an opportunity if an opportunity does uh, present itself um then you'll, you'll have the opportunity to, uh, to do that, to, you know, you'll have a chance to take advantage of it. You know, you can totally flip that same narrative or that, that idea, you know what I mean? If you have like a bunch of musicians who are free, right. And you're, you're the person who is more focused on technical aspects or technical elements. Well, to this room of people who are uh, free players, uh, you're going to sound no, you're not gonna they're not like this guy ain't fun oh my god where'd you get him from get him out oh my goodness he just wants to play the classics get him out of here he's ruining my fun right and speaking of free play there's a i don't have that book here with me but there's a book uh by uh, by uh nicholas slanimsky i believe it is it's called free play i meant to mention that when i got started i totally got sidetracked and forgot it but um 
that book I've read probably eight times and I get something new out of it every time I do. Um, and it sort of talks, it sort of ties into what I was talking about today. Maybe not the same language and describing it in the same way, but uh, it's a book called Free Play. It's got like a red cover with like some Picasso looking stuff on the cover. Uh, and it really talks about you like living, uh, like keeping this conceptual uh, artistic way of mind throughout everything you do, right? When you're making when you're making eggs, you stir the eggs and a free play nature. You know, you don't just wait till you sit down at your instrument. You know, wait till you pick up your saxophone to then begin to think of things in an artistic fashion. That doesn't mean you're like a daydreamer. You just wander around all day, you know, spaced out. But you actually live. You try to think about art. Think about artistic expression constantly these are one of the things that like you can practice the scales you can get your fingers tight you get your armature stronger and get your uh, you, get, you know get your diaphragm and your wind stronger for instrumentalists and you can do things to enhance the fixes physical and technical elements of the music but how often do you practice play like just practicing like being a funny you know just just being you know being in a in a in a space that is not so burdened by, uh, you know, a lot of technical factors. There's a lot of situations where you have to, like, you got to follow the speed limit. You have to do this. You have, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of places where you have to be very structured and be very regimented. And then there's a lot of, there's a huge swath of space where there is no, there is no boundaries. There are no war, walls. There is no floor. There is no ceiling. You have to create the boundaries. You have to create the space. You have to recreate the context. Uh, so, yeah, I, I hope that uh, I hope that clears that up a little bit. With oh, our, yeah, that was definitely a great answer. Man, this has been an awesome, awesome session. Jeremy, we really thank you for uh, sharing your expertise on this. And I know this is going to be one that whether you're a beginner musician or you're a seasoned musician, that you're going to have to go back and rewind and take some notes and read it. And, <laughs> and <laughs> even the book that you recommended, um, yeah. looking forward to checking that out. You know, this music is, it's a lifestyle and it's, you know, when we're considering this to be our art form, you know, we really have to live it. So um, I was going to add, when you talked about um, different musicians you listen to, you mentioned Chick Corea. Uh -huh. uh, one of the most free concerts I've ever been to was Herbie Hancock, where it started off with, you know, a couple tunes that people knew, and then they went somewhere in the stratosphere that, you know, the average listener was like, okay, what's happening here? <laughs> right. But the musicians in the room were like, wow, wow, that's amazing. And the priceless part about all of this is they can never play it like that exactly again. That was a exactly and a lifetime opportunity to hear that. So yeah. 
We want to thank you for doing this again, Jeremy. And we want to thank our sponsors and Clearwater Jazz Holiday. Don't forget, check out the upcoming sessions. Go to our website, www.clearwaterjazz.com education. And please continue to share with others the great wisdom and knowledge that you're getting through these sessions. And we'll see you on the next one. Keep it swinging, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holidays, Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Thank you to our friends at Marine Max Clearwater for helping to present this podcast series. To learn more about the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Annual Festival tradition, other special events throughout the year, and our year-round education and outreach, please visit clearwaterjazz.com.